Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hello. Hey, it's great to be with you. Uh, I'm Andy Mon, one of the pastors here at the Valley Church, and uh, so excited to be in this new sermon series called Sit With It. Uh, these, uh, this series is really built around the questions that you have, and we're going to explore some of the toughest ones, uh, I think, that we've ever faced. We've done series like this before, but these are some tough questions. And, uh, and the first one is this. We're going we're gonna to take a look at how, how do we respond to, to the political things, uh, the social issues that, that are facing our country, that are, that, that are in our lives right now. How, how do we respond to those kind of things? What do we do? What kind of actions do we take? You know, uh, the, 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 there are a lot of forces that are trying to hijack our minds and, and get us to think in different ways. But the question that we uh, really um, want to look at is, is what does God want us to think about these things? Not, not as what do all, do, do all the other people think about them, but what does God want us to, to do? How does he want us to act? How does he want us uh, to, to step out in, in our lives? And the question I think uh, I've been wrestling with, I don't know about you, but do I focus on my rights in the midst of all these things? Uh, is political change the way we ought to be going? Uh, what about protests or, or making statements? A lot of people uh, hope that uh, I, as a, a pastor, will make uh, statements on a lot of things. Uh, do I call people out? Do I get angry on Facebook? Do I, do I, do I share things on Facebook? Is it time just to, to, to tear the culture down that we have and start over? Should we just upend society? Uh, should we dismantle authority around us? How do we live in the midst of the chaos and the fear and the inequity the, the, of racial injustice and, and violence? What do we say? What do we do? What, what shouldn't we do? And is it okay that I feel angry? Um, is, and why do I feel angry anyway? Um, maybe those are all kind of thoughts that have run through your mind and you've thought about that. And, and, and in this series, we're just going to kind of sit with this and, and, and sit with Scripture and see if we come up to, to, to some answers to, to some of this. Well, first and foremost, I do think that there are some responses that God would have us make to the, to the things that we're facing today. And first and foremost, to that question about what do we do with, with the things that we're, we're seeing in our world today, and uh, particularly in response, I, I think a lot of people in their mind is, is uh, racial inequality, uh, socioeconomic inequality. In other words, somebody doesn't have as much money as I do. They live in a different place. Uh, they, they, they feel ostracized or marginalized. How, how do we handle those kind of things and the, and the forces that are behind them? Well, first and foremost, I want to say this. I think this is our, uh, one of the things I, I want us to be really clear on. We have met the enemy, and he is us. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, but I want you to know that, that the, the reality is that we are the real problem, and the key response for all of us is to realize that and then, and then, uh, and then repent. And you might say, well, but I haven't really done anything wrong. And, and uh, I guess the question is, is, is that really true? You know, Solomon was the wisest man who lived, and there was a time when he was building a temple for the Lord. And uh, he, was, he was working hard on that temple so the Israelites could come and worship God. And while he's dedicating this temple back to the Lord, uh, God says this. 
He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, which, by the way, as I interrupt this scripture, it kind of sounds a little bit like the, the world we live in, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like the times we're in. He says this, and many of us maybe have heard this before. He says, if my people, he's talking about his own people. This is God speaking, and he's talking to believers, people who are followers, uh, who are Israelites, who are of the people of God. That's who he's talking to. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and, and I want you to get this, and turn from their wicked ways. He's talking to believers. He's talking to followers of God, and yet they've strayed from his original plans. And even though they are following him, they're also, they're also doing some things that are wicked. They're doing some things that are not in line with what God's plan is, and it's messing up the world. He says, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. You see, the solution, first and foremost, isn't, uh, isn't political. It's, it's, it's not some kind of social justice. It's, it's not some uh, kind of new law or legislation. It's not us getting our rights or, or a new president. The reality is our sin as a, as a people and as a nation, past, present, and future, is what is responsible for, for the chaos that we are experiencing in this world. Sin always has a consequence. It has a consequence in our personal lives, but it has a consequence in the land that we live in. And the reality is we all are Manassas to some extent. Manasseh, if you go to the Old Testament back in Chronicles, he's a boy king. He starts his reign when he's 12. I think it's a 55-year reign, so he has a period of time. But the first thing that we find out about him is that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, he was a, he was a sinful young man. He, was a, he turned into a sinful man. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, it tells us that Manasseh did much evil in the eyes of the Lord. And, and God was provoked to anger. In other words, God got ticked off at Manasseh. Uh, uh, you and I both know that's not a good thing. And, uh, and, and God is, is, is merciful. He's, he's a gracious God. But we can push God too far. We can provoke him too much. And, and that's what's happened. And uh, Manasseh now is about to find out what happens when God gets angry. And it says the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. You see, Time and time again, God is trying to get his attention to avert disaster, not only in his life, but Manasseh's leading people. He's influencing others. And, and the sin in his life is going to impact a whole lot of other people. And the reality is the sin in your life, uh, when we don't follow God's plan, when we deviate from what he wants us to do and the purpose that he has for us, it impacts other people's life. And that's what's happening here. I just wonder how many times God is trying to get our attention and we don't pay attention i wonder if if uh, the, the coronavirus that we're experiencing some of the racial tensions that we feel uh, around in the world and all some of these other difficult kind of questions i just wonder if god is trying to get our attention you know, see god doesn't uh, cause some of these things but he allows them to happen for for, for specific reasons and and uh, and so manasseh is about to pay an awful price for the evil he's done, it says, so, so the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. 
You see, the consequence Manasseh has to pay is he's shackled at his wrists, he's shackled at his ankles, they pierce his nose, they put a rope in it and lead him around, and he's taken in exile to Babylon. Babylon is a very sinful city, a very difficult place for an Israelite to be because they look down on Israelites, don't treat them well. He loses everything, his family, his throne. I mean, everything is gone, taken from him because of the sin in his life. You know, it'd be easy for you and me to say, well, that was Manasseh. Um, as we look through, we, we could write it off as, you know, he, he was a very sinful man. He, he, uh, he, he, he did witchcraft. He was into witchcraft. He worshipped idols. He, he was sexually promiscuous with, with people in the kingdom. He sacrificed his own children. I mean, this is, this is difficult stuff. And, and you might say, well, I haven't done any of those kind of things. I haven't, I haven't sacrificed my kids to gods like he did, which, uh, you know, if school doesn't start pretty soon, some of you are thinking, well, I don't know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> but, 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 but what about some of the things we are capable of? Maybe we steal from our families to get accolades at work. Maybe we... Um, yeah, we oppress vulnerable men and women because of the pornography that, that we viewed. Calling people out on social media just because we can. Maybe hoarding the bulk of our resources instead of sharing them with the world. How about discounting whole groups of people because they're not like us, because we're not comfortable with them? We, we see them as bad or lacking value. There are lots of ways where we participate in the same kind of sins that, that Manasseh was part of and we all have his problem and when we when we have a sin problem it affects the world it makes a, an impact around us and it causes the kind of problems that we see in our world today and i'd like us just to sit with that for a minute I, i'd like us just to sit with that for a moment donald miller is an author who's written about this truth Miller says that he knows there's something wrong with him. <laughs> there, there's something wrong with him. He's discovered uh, that there's, there, there's just, there's something inside him that draws him uh, and, uh, toward the things that aren't God's plan for his life. He says, it's not just me, though, I've realized, but it's everybody around me. It's almost like a bacteria or a cancer. It's, it's, it's not something that eats just the outside, but it, but it kind of is something in the heart. That, that begins to just pull him away from God. And uh, it says, he says it shows up in loneliness and lust and in anger and in jealousy and gossip and in racism. He said he's discovered that this thing that is, in, is wrong with him is, is, is in other people as well, and it messes things up bad. It's ugly and it's deep. But because of, because of this thing that is wrong, it's broken him, and he says it's broken him, and it's broken the people around him, and, and, and he's realized that he can't love in the right way when he's like that. It's kind of like running a weed eater on the wrong kind of fuel. I was uh, a few, I, I like to blow the leaves off the sidewalks around here on Sunday morning uh, just to prepare the place for those who are going to be new to the valley and for all of you who come and, and uh, when you come on campus. And one day I, I got the, the, the weed eater out or the, the, the lawn, actually the leaf blower, it was in this case, it was a, the, 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 the leaf blower, and, and it was out of gas, it wouldn't start, so I had to go get some fuel. And so I tried to put some fuel in the leaf blower and I just found the, the nearest can, I was in a hurry anyway, and I put the fuel in, I started up, and I noticed it didn't start up 
really well. I mean, it, it, it kind of sounded weird, and it was smoking a little bit. That should have been a sign, right? But I kept on going. I threw it on my shoulder. It was running, and I took off, and it lasted about two and a half, three minutes. All of a sudden, the thing just died, and it sounded worse as I went. I come, came to discover that I was supposed to be using 50-to-1 fuel in that thing, two-cycle engine fuel, and I'd put in regular gas, and I burned the thing up. You know, that thing wasn't meant to run on regular gas. It was meant to run on the two-cycle fuel, and I hadn't used that. The reality is you and I were not meant to run with sin. We weren't meant to run that way, and it messes us up, and it messes the world up. The, the, the problem is that when we live in patterns or behaviors that, that aren't God's plan for us, even if we've said yes to Jesus Christ, we haven't, we haven't reached that spiritual maturity where we've got it all figured out, where we're doing everything according to God's plan. And certainly those who haven't said yes to Jesus maybe haven't even begun that journey of living the, the plan that God has for them. But you know what? We have a hard time admitting that, don't we? We have a hard time admitting that we're not all we should be. I think that goes to the core of us. It, it's hard to admit that we haven't uh, reached the place where we want to reach. We haven't become the kind of people that we want to be. And that maybe we're more focused on our own self and, than God's plan. Miller says that he discovered the problem is, is not a need for, as he says, new legislation or new president or new institutions. He says they're not the problem. He says, I am the problem. And the reality is all of us are the problem. You see, the stain of sin is behind the, the problems of the world. When I was in children's ministry, we'd, uh, we'd take this uh, jar of water and we'd put food coloring in, some, something with a dye. And it was amazing, but you would just put one drop in, in, in this whole gallon of water, this clear glass of water, and it would just like course through the whole thing. It would instantly spread and the whole thing would become black. The reality is it's, it's like that in life, though. Stain, the stain of sin really quickly moves through all the relationships the relationships that we have, whether it's marriage, uh, whether it's the family relationship we have and in relationships with people of other races, it, it, it stains every relationship. And because we're self-absorbed, and, and if you think about it, the human race is pretty self-absorbed, that, that becomes the, the flaw that, that begins to push people opposite or, or away from each other. You know, and, and, and maybe you feel like me sometimes is that you almost have to push against that, 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 that thing inside of you that wants to just dismiss the serious things of life. You, you, you want to focus on maybe uh, feeding your own needs or, or buying something that's going to entertain you or, or, or all those kind of things. That sometimes we just get tired of the heavy, weighty things in life. But you know that if you and I as a species could fix our self-absorption, our focus on our own situation, our focus on our own desires, we could end a lot of pain in the world. I was watching a documentary not too uh, long ago, and uh, it was about the problems in third world. We, we often think their biggest problem is probably water. That's one of the things. What we've, they've come to realize is sewage is actually um, it, one of the bigger problems because it actually affects the quality of the water, but it also causes disease. And uh, so they came to realize that if they would focus on figuring out how to take care of the sewage, that they could solve a lot of the problems in the world. And uh, so the, this documentary showed how they were, were creating different uh, ways of doing self-contained 
uh, sewage plants, essentially, that would burn the uh, that would burn the sewage. And that would uh, be that would actually energize the whole system so that they could create water from that. Very fascinating. And it, the whole idea was that that if some people who were privileged in life, some people who had been given maybe more than others in, in a material way and, and with positions and opportunity, if they would use that, not for their own gain, but if they would use that for other people's benefit, that they can make a huge impact in the world. And, you know, the, the, the truth is, if that we will use what God has given us to, to make an impact and to bless other people, we can make a huge impact in this world. You know, Manasseh, if we go back to him, Manasseh had been pierced in his nose and he had shackles on his feet, shackles on his hands. He was completely humiliated. He had lost everything. And it says in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. You see, it says he humbled himself. He was broken before God. Humbling just means that we realize God is God and we're not that we no longer are in control of our own life, that, that we, cannot, we cannot become the kind of people we want to become without God's help. And it says, And when Manasseh prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. And God was moved by this earnest, honest prayer that Manasseh prays. This one who had been off and who had, 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 had really caused a lot of pain, not only in his own life and in his family and all those who were connected with the kingdom of God. And, and, and Manasseh began to realize that he couldn't heal himself. He couldn't renew himself. And so he humbled himself before God and God heard him. And he brought him back to Jerusalem. He restored him to the place that he had. And, and Manasseh began to follow God. And not just began to follow God, but began to follow his plans. And you know what? There's something about sometimes human nature that needs to be pierced. And here's the truth. I want you to hear this today. That if you allow yourself to be pierced to the heart by God, you won't need to be pierced by the consequences that you'll experience. See, we're going to be pierced either way. We're going to be pierced one way or the other. We can either allow God to pierce our heart and, and move us toward himself, or we, we can be pierced by the consequences. And that's really what happened to Manasseh. And it was the consequences that finally helped Manasseh's eyes open and realize there was a better way. If you want to know what the right response to racism and coronavirus and chaos, it's let God change your heart. It's let God change your heart. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that there are still sinful behaviors and attitudes that can exist that, that the Holy Spirit wants to point out in our lives. And so often we want to say, no, I got it together. And we can get angry and we can get prideful. And Manasseh was prideful. And the reality is we can be there as well. And we need God to forgive us and change us. And then I'll just tell you, if our response would be that we would begin to lead others to, become, to, to know Jesus Christ, to know who he is and what he can do in their life, we will change this world. Isn't that, as we finished up the last sermon series, what Paul told Timothy, his protege? He said, preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. That's how we're going to change lives in this world. That, that's how we're going to change the world. And that's to be our main response 
You know, we can do a lot of other things, but that's to be our main response is to, is to help others come to know Jesus and to humble ourselves and say, maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe my attitudes and my behaviors, how I see the world, isn't exactly how God sees it. And maybe my views of the world have been formed by media. Maybe it's been formed by what I grew up hearing. And maybe God wants to break some sinful habits and behaviors and patterns and thoughts and views of the world uh, in our lives. I think there's another, uh, a second response though. I think there's a second response for, the, for, the, for, for, for all of us who want to make a difference in this world and are facing this question. You see, after you become a follower of Jesus Christ, we're to be marked as people who give justice and grace to all. That's to be a mark. That's to be a, 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 a pattern for all of us to live out in this world. In Micah 6, 8, it says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does God require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The prophet Isaiah says this. He says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. It's not just examine, figure out where they're at. No, it's defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. I mean, that's, those are actions that we're to take if we're followers of Jesus Christ. You see, justice is what is right. Justice is what is right. Grace, on the other hand, is bearing each other's burdens. It's, it's giving an, uh, an unmerited favor to someone, and, and maybe someone doesn't deserve it, but you bear their burdens anyway. You lift them up. And people of God who've been pierced, uh, uh, who, who've confessed their sin to Jesus Christ, who've asked God to humble them and change them so that they would have his heart on all the views of the world, they're different people. They live differently, and they're willing to humble themselves to hear what God wants to say. And, 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 and they're willing to be lowered so that others can be raised. See, believers are to love justice. Believers are to do justice. You and I, who are following Jesus Christ, are to give justice to every man and woman we can. We're to be marked by love and compassion, mercy and, 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 and kindness. You and I are to carry each other's burdens that they can't carry themselves. We're to relieve difficulty in other people's lives. And no one who is a true follower of Christ would ever deny anyone the care and the help that they need. See, Jesus' followers do not stay indifferent to the suffering or injustice that others experience. And so it's not enough to say, I, I, I don't do that or I'm not part of that. You see, a Jesus follower steps in and he begins to change the situation that he finds. He cannot stay indifferent to what he sees around him. You know, the reality is that the attitude and lifestyle toward oppressed people in this world really is an evidence of our transformed life if we're transformed we'll do what jesus did and he went to the marginalized he went to the oppressed and he lifted them up he went into their lives to to make it better jesus followers are to change the character of the world they're to change the character of the world you know the second in the first century women were were, were really considered second class they, they couldn't own property. They didn't really have a voice. Uh, they could be divorced easily. But when Jesus came onto the scene and people began to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus elevated how women were treated. He gave them dignity and respect. They were the first ones to come up upon the tomb. He, he used them in ways uh, as, as witnesses of, of his resurrection that, that women had not been used in, in, in that way before. 
And Jesus' followers, when they began to live out what Jesus had taught them, began to change the character of the, of the culture that they lived in. Do you know that wherever Christians live, the culture has changed? And one of the great examples is, is when Jesus came on the scene and when the first century church began to grow and they began to spread, that they changed the culture around them. And you see, I believe that's what God wants us to do. As we come to know Jesus Christ, as we share Jesus Christ with other people, and people's lives are changed, and they're humbled, and they're pierced, and, and, and the sins that they've, they, they, they've been living, the patterns and the behaviors that they've allowed to creep in, have, have, they've allowed God to begin to change those and begin to change the way they think. They begin to change the temperature of the world around them. Now notice this, one thing I... I've noticed as I, as I looked through the New Testament, I was really struggling. So, so how far does that go if we're going to step into somebody's life, if, if, if we're going to defend the cause of the oppressed? What does that really mean? I mean, are we to tear down the structures of this world? Is it, has it gone so far that maybe we should do that? Is it, well, what is it? Do we, do we riot? Do we, what are all those kind of things? Is it, is it about creating revolution? As I looked as I looked through, there was a revolution Jesus created, but it was a revolution of love and grace. There, there was never a revolution of we're going to tear down the culture of the day. We're going to tear down the structures, the political structures of the day, the kings and kingdoms. He, he, he never asked them to do that. In fact, the, he lived, a, they were living in this first century in a very difficult time where the Roman government was oppressing followers of Jesus Christ. And yet he commanded the disciples to pay the taxes that was due to Caesar he commanded them to, to live in, in peace with the authorities and the rulers around him. In fact, we see this. Paul tells Timothy uh, this. He says, petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving are, are to be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. See, it's never okay. It's never okay for oppressed Jesus followers to become the oppressors. And, and the reality is that he says we're to live peaceful and quiet lives and influence the people around us. And as we influence the people around us, we actually change the culture. We change the institutions. We don't overthrow them. We don't break them down. We don't, we don't riot. We don't do violence. What we do do is change people's lives and, and we make an impact in those areas. And that means we should vote. That means we should get involved in the political process. We should do those things. But we should never depend on those things. The, de the only thing that we should depend on is Jesus Christ and what he can do in people's lives. I want to challenge you as you think through as you think through this whole question, and I know you've been focused on it, all of us have tried to decide, what is my part to play? I'm living in a very pivotal time in this world. What can I do? How can I make an impact? Should I say something? Should I do something? And I think here are just a couple thoughts to leave with you about some steps you can take. Are you building relationships with people who need justice? Are you building relationships with people who need justice, who are marginalized, whether it's whether it's they're living in poverty, whether they're of a different race, whatever it might be? Are you building relationships so you can change the character of our culture? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people building relationships with people. Are you in, are you displaying courage in conversations you're, you're having where injustice may be encouraged? And let's be honest, there are, there, 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 we all have friends, we all have relatives, we have people in our communities 
that are encouraging things that go against, I believe, what God would call us to do? Are we are we challenging those things in loving kind of ways? Because we have to learn how to have conversations with each other uh, and choose to disagree if we must, um, but and not belittle people and at the same time share what God has put on our heart. Are you using your finances to help the poor? Are you using your finances to, to come alongside those who don't have the same uh, the, the same uh, opportunities and the same privilege that you have? Are you allowing yourself to be wronged? Are you allowing yourself to be wrong, not worrying about your rights so that others can be made whole? You know, I've come to recognize in my own life one of the places that I can probably put a stamp on something that makes me uncomfortable is when I have to give something up. When I have to give up a right, it may cost me something to defend the oppressed, to, to help them take a step forward. And God has begun to work in my life in that area. I wonder if he would work in our life in that area. Uh, the reality is that God wants to point out those places in our life that, that are not like the pattern that he's created us to live that don't express the grace and love that he's designed for all his creation. And I believe that's how we're to respond. We're to respond by repenting, by turning from those behaviors, those attitudes that don't line up with his plan. Uh, we're, to, we're to listen to a still small voice as his Holy Spirit speaks to our, our heart and honestly moves us in some ways. Uh, we're, we're, to, we're to help other people people in this world trust in Jesus Christ because as their life has changed, uh, it, it changes the, the character of the culture around us and it changes the world. It changes their lives. And then we're to actively help others find justice. We're, we're to be active in the world. The evidence of our transformation as followers of Jesus Christ is will we step in and defend those um, that when it's going to cost us something, when it's going to be difficult. When, when people are, are, are going to oppose that. Those are the moments when we'll discover what God has for us and what he wants to do through us. And that's when the character of the world will be changed. I, I believe that's how we're to respond. So I just want to pray for you now. Father, would you, would you come alongside each person who hears this message as they live in a world that, that feels chaotic, that, that feels uh, like it, and sometimes it's almost just crumbling around us, um, and Father, there's so many voices. Right now, we're going to ask that you would just help us to push out the voices around us that are not you, that we might quiet ourselves and hear your still small voice, that we would humble ourselves before you, that we, we might allow you to show us the areas where we've, we've allowed behaviors and, and patterns and ideas that don't line up with who you are that we would confess the sin of those things. We would confess the sin of actions that have stained the world and, and, and created oppression. And Father, that you would forgive us and restore us and remake us, that we could be the people you want us to be. And then, Father, would you help us to step out, to have the courage and, and the willingness to pay the cost to, to help others so that they don't live lives uh, of oppression, that we would come alongside them and, and we would help those who, who need help, who need lifted up. Uh, Father, we're, we're asking this. We're asking you help us to become that kind of people that, that this church, the Valley Church, and all those who hear this message would be 
would be the people of change, would be the conduit of your grace to this world. That's what we ask, and we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share with a friend because change lives, change lives.